Section number ten of Life and Sayings of Mrs. Partington. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Life and Sayings of Mrs. Partington and Others of the Family by B. P. Schillerbeer. Section ten. Criticism. A small crowd gathered before a window recently to admire the figure of a cat which was there as if for public inspection nearly every one was delighted with its likeness to life but still said augustus there are faults in it it is far from perfect observe the defect in the foreshortening of that paw now and the expression of the eye too is bad besides the mouth is too far down under the chin while the whiskers look as if they were coming out of her ears it is too short too but as if to obviate this defect the figure stretched itself and rolled over in the sun it is a cat i vow said a bystander it is alive shouted ike delightedly clapping his hands why it's only a cat after all said mrs partington as she surveyed it through her specs but augustus moved on disappointed that nature had fallen so far short of his ideas of perfection in the manufacture of cats bleak house dickens is fast getting along to the denouncement of the bleak house said mrs partington as she saw a paragraph mentioning the approaching denouement of the story well i should think he would have denounced it long ago and had it prepared for i don't believe they could have made him pay one mill of rent unless he did it at his own auction bleak house indeed and mr dickson a poor man too with the ailments enough on him to paralyze a whole hospital himself the picture of the good samaritan handing the wounded jew a quart bottle of sarsaparilla bitters attracted her attention and she delivered ike a private lecture on the humanities while he sat pulling the cat's tail in the doctor's side of the chimney corner admiration for eloquence dear me how fluidly he does talk said mrs partington recently at a temperance lecture i am always rejoiced when he mounts the nostril for his eloquence warms me in every nerve and cartridge of my body where degrees itself couldn't be more smooth than his blessed tongue is and she wiped his spectacles with a cotton bandana and never took her eyes from the speaker during the whole hour he was on the stand knaves of the crystal palace well said mrs partington as ike read the paragraph from the post that the decorators were at on the two knaves of the crystal palace she passed at the well before she went further into it and i stopped reading to hear what she had to say and chewed up a part of the paper into spitballs which he amused himself with by throwing at the old white pine dresser in the corner well said she this is the same well we left some time since i am glad they are taking time by the firelock and looking out to the knaves aforehand knaves in the christian parish indeed but they will get in the best that can be done there's many a one i dare say in all parishes that has a sanctuary in his face but with the cloak of hypocrisy in his heart read on isaac and the old lady looked up at the black-framed ancient picture of susanna and the eldest and patted her box reflectively mr bisbee's confession it was a rash promise that i jeremiah bisbee had made to the youngest miss steele to gallant her to touch i knew that she would be offended if i did not comply and yet how i felt the previous evening's amusement had extended well towards daylight and a more miserably feeling fellow than myself never did rouse himself at the sound of breakfast bell on a sunday morning
but the promise was made and the glory of a new pair of plate pants and a red velvet vest was to blaze beside the modest beauty of miss seraphima in the reverend mr blount's church i had no seat there but my cousins the misses titmarsh who owned a pew in the broad aisle had many times invited me to sit with them informing me that there was plenty of room and i determined to avail myself of their invitation the pew was a very respectable one i knew as i had heard them many times describe it as having heavy drapery and all the other essentials of genteel worship just as they had inherited it from the deacon their uncle i had heard them described too the occupants of adjacent pews and had been given to understand that the oglers and swigs and the aforesaid occupants were the most respectable people in town and that they felt rather envious at the superior position of our pew for so the young ladies forty-seven if they were a day called it the day was bright the pants fitted to a charm the red vest cleaned in the sun my coat was neatly brushed with an unexceptionable hat and a pair of brilliant boots i felt myself to be some the sleepy feeling with which the morning commenced was overcome by the momentary excitement of walking and talking with a charming girl a triumph over somnus that i thought truly wonderful we reached the church a large venerable sleeping pile having a good many pews in it the latter a characteristic i believe of churches generally there was a languor upon the still air of the old church that struck me sleepily as i took my seat in the spacious high-backed pew the monotonous toll of the bells sounded like a lullaby and the swelling notes of the big organ which rose like incense to the roof and pervaded the house gave me a qualm that my boasted triumph outside would not be of permanent duration opposed to the somnolent influences within as ill luck would have it we had a very dull preacher a duller i never knew trite and commonplace without originality or fervor and insufferably long i felt sleepy at the propounding of the text which was as near as i remember sleep on and take your rest and every wakeful feeling within me began to grow heavy about the eyes at the injunction i struggled against slumber as a man overboard would struggle with the tide my eyelids drooped in spite of me and when i would open them they felt as if they were interlaced with sticks and my sleepy soul seemed looking through a grating of wicker work the eyes of my cousins the misses titmarsh were wide open upon me the bright eyes of seraphima were upon me the eyes of the augurs and spigs were upon me for the misses titmarsh had informed me in a whisper that they were here in full force and that the new plaid pants and the red vest and seraphima's new bonnet a charming thing by the way would produce a tremendous envy among their opponents in the adjacent pew in my sleepy reflections i saw the utter disgrace that would attend upon my cousins the titmarshes if i misbehaved i thought upon them positively more than upon my own shame i thought of the horror they would feel were i to speak aloud or laugh or tumble down or commit any extravagance in a dream all of the tricks i had ever practised in my sleep came up before me frightfully magnified what if i should practise some of them over again or get up on the backs of the pews and go round as a minor foots it over the tiles in the opera i struggled manfully with sleep but i found i couldn't hold out long hum hummed on that long sermon upon my honour i don't believe i heard a word of it besides the text unless it were the word sleep which seemed profusely scattered like poppies along the tedious way i found myself rapidly sinking the faces by which i was surrounded were melting away 
the ogler's and the spigs were becoming oblivious and the preacher just taking the form of a huge black beetle impaled on a pen was humming a dull drone on one continuous key when mustering resolution i roused myself thrust my hand hastily into my pocket to pull out my handkerchief then the ogler's and spigs were all looking and so were the mrs titmarsh and seraphima when i blush to say it though is the means of my becoming a reformed man and a tolerable member of society and the father of a large family when i pulled my handkerchief out a pack of cards a deposit of the previous night came leaping out with it and as if actuated by the devil who invented them they darted about in almost as many directions as there were cards presently showing themselves in the holy house to my utter confusion of face had my worst enemy seen me then he must have pitied me i was wide awake now the concentrated redness of every red card was painted upon my face and the blackness of every black one was transferred to my heart the spots on the cards to my heated fancy seemed bigger than a cartwheel i heard a suppressed titter among the oglers and the spigs just then the eldest miss titmar fainted heaven be thanked for this says i here is an opening and seizing the unconscious spinster i made for the door as speedily as possible placing her in charge of the sexton i ran with all haste for the doctor strange that those medical gentlemen should be away at such a time i left an urgent order on the slates of six of them and was told at five of six an hour afterwards met in consultation on the steps of rev mr blunt's church as i said before i have now reformed and sit just in the shadow of life's afternoon looking back over the events of its morning rejoicing with hopeful trust that the errors of youth may not be carried forward to the amount of mature age if repentance make atonement for the past the mrs titmarshes forgave me and seraphima in a long life of devoted attention on my part has quite forgot that sunday's mortification germania band how do you like the music mrs p asked a neighbour of the old lady as she stood listening to the germania band one evening on the common and beating time on the cover of a snuff-box beautiful replied she enraptured uncommon beautiful it seems almost like the music of the seraphs i think the geranium band the sweetest of any of them can you tell me said she in a big whisper which is mr bergamot the name of berg was associated with her rapi and hence her solicitude she was told that mr bergman belonged to the germania society and that the leader of germania serenaders was mr schnapp a smile lit up her face revealed in the declining twilight as she asked if he was akin to mr aromatic schnapps the gentleman that imported so much gin her ear was arrested by the strains of the music and the black bonnet waved in unison with a waltzing measure as isaac sat upon the grass in contemplation of a dog's tail before him wondering what the effect would be if he should stick a pin in it a good suggestion mrs chang and ing those interesting exotics from whose land all the golden fountains and talking lauras and singing trees that graced her juvenile literature were derived were much gratified by an introduction to mrs poddington one of whom assured her that he had heard of her in siam many years ago but the other didn't recollect about it on informing her of their intention to go to saratoga or newport the coming summer the old dame wondered at their determination how crowded you will be said she accommodations are so scarce though i dare say you could upon an emergency both sleep in one bed the suggestion was a happy one all the difficulty was removed in an instant and the dual gentleman smiled a thank you with his four lips and mrs partington waved a patting benediction to him with a green cotton umbrella as he disappeared in the crowd catching an omnibus 
if you want to take a bus said mr sphinx in his oracular manner you must be amazingly sly you mustn't go boldly up to em because they will certainly be full room for twelve and seventeen inside or the driver won't see you if you shake your umbrella or cane at him never so much buses are queer critters very queer it takes something of a man to understand their nature when you want one there ain't one coming put your head out in the rain and look every which way you can't see hide nor hair of one wait till the next one comes that's full so's the next then you get a little miffed and says you i'll walk start in the rain get wet when you get almost where you want to go long comes one of em like blazes lots of room looking at you as much as to say see here old boy don't you wish you had baited and whisks by like a racer if you see a bus a little ways ahead and run yourself into a fever to catch it two to one it'll be the wrong bus and you'll have to walk after all now the way to do is this act just as if you don't care a snap whether you ride or not be indifferent and one will come right along don't be uneasy about getting a seat and there'll be plenty of room conclude that you'll walk and you may have a whole bus to yourself that's the way to come it over saying which and shaking his head profoundly mr sphinx retired ike in a new position ike got a situation to blow an organ in town and one sunday a stranger organist took it in his head that he would try the instrument a little after the congregation was dismissed he expressed his desire to the boy who consented to blow for there are few more obliging boys than ike when he is well used he pumped away vigorously for some time until his arm ached when peeping round the corner of the organ he asked if he might go now no said the organist curtly and kept on drumming away among the dainty airs that he was taking upon himself now thundering among the bass notes and now glancing playfully amid the tender trills of the pianissimos when confusion to a few commenced the breath of the organ gave out and the music flattened to a dying and dismal squeal holloa cried the performer don't get asleep there blow away but no response attended his command he grew red blow away i say he cried louder still no response angrily and inharmoniously the man of music arose and looked for ike he was not there in the madman of melody as he glanced from the window caught a distant view of a pair of juvenile coattails as they disappeared round a corner unpopular doctrine i was surprised mr roger to see you speaking with that creature said miss prim significantly emphasizing the word why madam asked the old man because she's a low wild creature of the town said she waspily he took her hand within his own and looked her calmly in the eye as he replied call her not wild call her miserable rather and as such she is more worthy of your regard and pity for though she may have sadly erred she is still not all depraved that old spark of sympathy in her heart is there yet unquenched I have seen her not long since watch by the sick work for the needy and give her money for the relief take her own bread and give it to a poor felon in prison and comfort a little child in its sinless sorrow i have seen this and bad as you think she is i can honour her for her good virtues my dear madam gain her good qualities and add them to your own perfections before presuming to sit in judgment on her bad ones besides do you know what temptation is ma'am were you ever tempted the frosty look which met his own seemed to render such a question unnecessary and he released her hand gently advising her to exercise more of charity in her estimate of character benevolence Philan's repose the day after the great railroad jubilee appeared in public with two excessively black eyes 
it seems that we're going by one of our principal hotels when a large delegation arrived from out of town and hearing the remark all full his heart was touched and mounting upon a post he asked the crowd if they wouldn't like to have a nice house to stop at where every man could have a room to himself and every accommodation he could desire the response was yes well said the good man with emotion well if i hear of any such i will let you know the people were strangers and did not understand the benevolence of his intentions and one or two of them expressed their disapprobation in a striking manner which marred the good man's pleasant exterior as above described on the day of the above celebration a large locomotive was brought to a standstill in washington street in consequence of one of the wheels giving out belonging to the car it was on philanthropos with an eye always to the interests of the mechanic seeing the danger to which the engine was exposed walked sentry round it all night to prevent the boys from running away with it it was an act for which he should have been honoured but the workman called him an ass for his pains when they came the next morning to take it away his indignation for a moment was awakened despair succeeded of ever being able to benefit his race when a small voice whispered to his conscience will you abandon an eternal principle because crude humanity fails to appreciate your efforts and he responded promptly to the question and turned away in search of new objects for the exercise of his benevolence mysterious action of rats as for the rats said mrs partington as she missed several slices of cake the disappearance of which she imputed to them it ain't no use to try to get rid of em they're rather like the worm in anecdote and even chlorosis supplement they don't make up a face at it must be the rats continued she thoughtfully and took a large thumb and forefinger full of rapid to help her deliberation it can be isaac that took the cake because he's a perfect prodigal of virtue and wouldn't deceive me so for i might leave a house full of bread with him and even touch it Mike sat there demurely with his right foot upon his left knee, thinking what a capital sunglass one eye of the old lady's speck would make, while a trace of crumbs was visible about his mouth. It is feared that not even chlorosive supplement, nor anything weaker than a padlock, will save Mrs. Pottingston's cake. Mrs. B. on the Mississippi When will the father of waters come along? asked Mrs. Pottington as she sat looking at a panorama of the Mississippi in the last hours of its exhibition the father of waters replied the individual addressed why this is it that you are seeing before you goodness me is it said she why i have digested my specs to look after a big man with a dropsy and it's nothing but a river after all how i wish they'd call things by their proper names there was something of disappointment in her tone but when afterwards she remarked to herself i wonder if that water will wash it was a beautiful tribute from benevolence to genius entered at the custom-house said mrs Battington, pondering on the expression i don't see how the vessels ever got in but i'm glad that the collector cleared them right out again it'll learn them better manners next time i think provisions of the constitution provisions of the constitution said mrs Partington with an earnest air and tone for my part i should be glad to see him heaven and all of us knows provisions are scarce enough and dear enough and if they can turn the constitution to so good a use i'm glad of it anything that will have a tenderness to cheapen the necessities of life and here she laid her finger on the cover of her box and looked earnestly at a cracked sugar bowl and the buffet in the corner containing the onion seeds and the bone buttons and the scarlet beans and the pieces of twine long gathered from accumulated paper tea bags i am agreeable to it and if they can turn the constitution and all the ships of war to carrying provisions i am sure they will do more good than they do now a good many of them she here ran down like an eight-day clock and she smiled as ike rushed in with his arms full of 
votes and his face full of fun and molasses candy and asked her if he shouldn't give her a take wicket severe but just dolly prim a spinster indeed said mrs partington as she heard her unmarried neighbour in the back parlour to him thus i should like to know what upon earth she spins but street yarn for she's gadding from morning to night the wheel she spins on would be harder to find a great deal than the fifth wheel of a coach oh she could be severe could mrs partington but there was generally a commingling of the bitter and sweet the warm word and molasses in her rebukes that tempered acidity and made reproof wholesome mrs partington and piety deacon snarl in exhortation would often allude to the place where prayer is wanted to be made ah said mrs partington to herself there's nothing like humility in a christian i'm glad you confess it i don't know a place under the canister of heaven where prayer is wanted more to be made than here and i hope you'll be forgiven for the rancorous butter you saw me yesterday she was a simple-minded woman was mrs p and was apt to get the world mixed up in with her devotion believing somehow that christian duty prescribed worldly justice she hadn't been long a member bricks and straw dr dick had discovered a striking analogy between the brick-making operations of the israelites in egypt and those of the present day in the first instance straw was required in the manufacture of a perfect brick in the latter straw is an essential thing as is shown in the imbibation of juleps an element in the manufacture of modern bricks where straw is invariably used the doctor asks when egypt was like a dry lemon presuming the answer will not be forthcoming he says after the jews were all out of it it is supposed he means jews metallic prospects i don't see said mrs partington as i came home from the examination and threw his books into one chair and his jacket in another and his cap on the floor saying that he didn't get the medal i don't see why you didn't get the medal for certainly a more meddlesome boy i never knew but never mind dear when the time comes round again you'll get it what hope there was in her remark for him and he took courage in one of the old lady's doughnuts and sat wiping his feet on a clean stocking that the dame was preparing to darn that lay by her side mrs partington beating up there's poor hardy lee called again said mrs partington on a trip from cape cod to boston the wind was ahead and the vessel had to beat up and the order to put the helm hardly had been heard through the night hardy lee again i declare i should think the poor creature would be completely exasperated with fatigue and i am certain he hasn't eaten a blessed mouthful of anything all the while captain do call the poor creature down on nature cannot stand it there was a tremor in her voice as indignant humanity found utterance it ain't christian it's more like the treatment of hottenbots a heathen the captain went on deck in a sudden lurch of the vessels and the old lady on her beam ends among some boxes recovering from which forgetfulness of hardy lee ensued and this tap brought her to the wharf a dead shot how do you feel with such a shocking looking coat on said a young clerk of more pretension than brains one morning i feel said old roger looking at him steadily with one eye half closed as if taking aim at his victim i feel young man as if i had a coat on which had been paid for a luxury of feeling which i think you will never experience and then he quietly resumed the reading of the post and the young clerk made no further remark on the subject shocking joke i see said old roger to a farmer topping corn that to one branch of your industry you are its worst enemy why asked the farmer because replied he you're always raising shocks with the corn market yes quietly replied the farmer but the market is always saying lend us your years old roger and the farmer smiled at each other as they parted End of section ten.